Welcome into the latest edition of the Ebony Bird Podcast. I'm your host, Jake McDonald. You can follow me on Twitter at jmcdonald 95 and Ebony Bird on Twitter at Ebony underscore Bird. Another week of Ravens football in the books as the uh, Birds pick up another uh, 40 win, a shutout win, the largest uh, shutout margin in team history over the Miami Dolphins on national television on Thursday Night Football. The Ravens picking up a huge uh, win to get them to 4-4, four and four. so I'm joined by our two site experts, uh, Chris Schistler at FootballMan58 on Twitter, and then Joe Schiller uh, at Joe Schiller with two R's. So guys, uh, just before we get started here, make sure to download our Ebony Bird app from the App Store. Some big news today: Danny Woodhead officially returns to practice off injured reserve. Uh, he could, you know, has a couple weeks to practice before he's eligible to come back. Uh, Baltimore Ravens versus Tennessee Titans: three big things. C.J. Mosley deserves to be in the Defensive Player of the Year conversation. Those are some of the articles coming at you today from all of our contributors and site experts at Ebony Bird. And so check us out, all that on the Ebony Bird app on Twitter and EbonyBird.com. And, of course, you're listening to this podcast through either uh, iTunes or Blog Talk Radio. So, fellas, uh, I'm not going to lie, we have lots to discuss, and I am multitasking as I watch the Game 6 of the World Series between the Dodgers and the uh, Astros on my iPad here. But uh, talking about the Ravens, you know, they rushed for over 174 yards on the ground, 113 by Alex Collins, 55 by Buck Allen on the ground, and their win over Miami. Macklin and Watson caught touchdowns. A very nice catch by Macklin in the uh, first quarter. Uh, Mosley and Smith both scored defensive touchdowns. Uh, a weird touchdown the Ravens scored when Chris Moore recovered a fumble in the end zone and ended up scoring the largest shutout margin in Ravens history, like I alluded to. But guys, except from the Flacco uh, slide and the hit by Kiko Alonso, which we'll get to in a few minutes, we'll go to Chris and then Joe just... Top takeaways from the game, a dominant Ravens win. Uh, we, we knew that th- this could have happened because it was a short week on Thursday night at home. Um, but still, the Ravens, they, they made the Dolphins look like a winless team. The Dolphins are now a 4-3 and three team, but the Ravens, look uh, they made them look absolutely terrible on Thursday night. Yeah, I, I, I couldn't be happier with the performance. I was a little frustrated on Thursday night, though, because I'm thinking we just got beat by the Bears in that same stadium. I just the we we go up to Minnesota and we allow six field goals and the touchdown to beat us as the Vikings push over us. And so, yeah, I'm excited, but man, we, just imagine we don't lose to the bears. We're five and three right now after a 40, nothing win. And we're going to Tennessee for our sixth one of the season. That's the situation we would have been in. And now we're four and four. We're fighting for five and four, and the result of this game is going to have huge implications potentially on the wild card race. And now we're really racing for a wild card spot because Pittsburgh's schedule doesn't look that difficult. They seem to be not falling flat on their face when it absolutely matters. And the Ravens have lost a couple of, oh my goodness, how did you do that games of Jacksonville in London, and now the Bears, Vikings game, I kind of expected. So I was frustrated that they played so well because this is what they were capable of the entire time, although I couldn't be happier with the performance. I was at the game, and it was about the same crowd as the Bears game, but just a much better atmosphere. Um, great game. I mean, I don't think any of us expected it to be a 40 to nothing shutout. I think most. I think all of us picked the Dolphins in this game because, I mean, you just didn't have much confidence coming in after the – um, after the Ravens losing four out of the last five games. But I know we'll get to the Flacco hit in a minute, but I, he was playing 
probably one of the best games we've seen him so far this season before he got hit, which is a shame that pass he threw to Jeremy Macklin in the first uh, quarter was a beautiful pass, probably the best pass we've seen him throw in a very long time. Um, it seemed like everything started getting going before he got hit. Uh, Alex Collins is obviously going to be the number one running back for the rest of the season. I mean, he kind of exploded onto the scene again, finally hit over 100 yards. Still hasn't gotten that touchdown yet, but I figure he will. Uh, defense, I mean, it's a great performance. I don't think the Dolphins are a very good team. I mean, they were just the worst foreign team possible. I, mean, I don't think they were very good, especially with Matt Moore and even with Jay Cutler. But um, it's just nice to see this defense playing back to their old ways again with Carl Davis and Brandon Williams in the middle. I mean, I think it was Ajayi ran on either 21 or 22 yards in one of his first carries of the game, and the Ravens held him for like six or seven yards the rest of the game. I mean, that's that's pretty darn good. And C.J. Mosley with the pick six, that was awesome. And then Jimmy Smith playing like a Pro Bowl cornerback that he deservedly needs to get after this season because with another pick six and with his ability to stay healthy, this secondary is really something else. So, I mean, it's, but I'll, I'm, I'm happy the Ravens won. I, the Dolphins aren't a good team. But, I mean, you'll take wins where you can get them. And we know the Ravens are about a difficult schedule this year. And coming to the back end of the schedule with the Titans and some other very winnable games, like Chris said, that the division's not there because of how well Pittsburgh's playing, but a wild card spot definitely is. So it's going to be interesting to see how they fare this, these next eight games. Yeah, absolutely. You're going to talk about the Joe Flacco hit now, of course, happened around the two-minute warning in the second quarter. Uh, I believe it was like a third and nine play where Flacco was running and, of course, the hit by Kiku Alonso. There's been a lot of debate and a lot of discussion about the hit, whether it was a legal hit, should he have been fined, should he have been suspended. The NFL announced today that Kiku Alonso will not be suspended. And I understand uh, Ravens fans, I understand their frustration with not uh, getting a suspension for Alonso or a fine. I, you know, I do believe if this happened to a quarterback like Brady, I think the, the result might have been a little bit different. I do think there is a, a, a vendetta with the NFL against quarterbacks like Flacco there. Um, but just talking about the slide itself, when you look at the slide on film or on you know on YouTube or whatever, you can't help but admit that it was a late slide by Flacco. The decision to slide late by him, the decision to slide by him was late in of itself. Um, Alonzo, you know, he's never been the type of he hasn't you know he's had an up and down career. He's battled some injuries. He's never been known as a dirty player. He's always been known as a class act. And he even revealed that he apologized after the game. And then he it was revealed later in the week that he had texted Flacco uh, saying that he had felt bad, apologizing, yada, yada. Um, but I think we've seen this before. We haven't seen Flacco get hit quite like this when he's sliding. But the fact of the matter is he's just not good at sliding at all. We saw, like, last year, you know, when he would always slide on his left leg after tearing his ACL. didn't look pretty. I think he even broke his knee brace one time because he just doesn't know how to slide properly. And I, I do think that that type of hit, if you compare it uh, to hits around the NFL, should warrant a fine. But I don't necessarily think Alonzo should have been suspended for that necessary type of hit. And I'm willing to take some of the blame for that uh, or some of the heat. I know there's a lot of Ravens fans out there that disagree with me completely, and I understand your viewpoint. Believe me, I'm, I'm frustrated, too, with Flacco being taken out of the game. I don't want to see Ryan Mallett start on Sunday. I don't want to see another second of Ryan Mallett the rest of the season. Um I think it was a dirty hit the way it appeared on TV, uh, but I myself don't think that Alonzo went into that hit intending to injure Flacco the way that it ended up happening. Um, we'll go to Joe and then Chris on this one. Some thoughts on the hit by Alonzo that concussed Joe Flacco and knocked him out for the rest of the game. So I was obviously just very heated after I saw the play because it happened kind of right in front of me at the game. And, of course, my immediate reaction when you see it just in real time is like, that's a very dirty hit, and we're all booing Kiko Alonzo and everything. And I'll still kind of take it to the grave that I thought it was a dirty hit. I know Flacco slid late, but I just, I don't know. It was just seeing it, and 
I just it, I just want to see consistency with it because we saw um, Sendejo hit Wallace the other week and he gets suspended for a game. I mean, just can we be on some consistency on it? I mean, especially with how the NFL preaches about player safety. I mean, even it doesn't. I mean, I don't even care if he intended to hit him or not. I mean, it was a late slide by Flacco, but they they just have to have some consistency here. And I think a one game suspension would have been um, would have been good for this kind of hit. I mean, I thought. He didn't necessarily need to lower his shoulder into him. I mean, Flacco was sliding short of the first down anyway. So it was it's just a bang-bang play, and it's one of those football plays. But I'm just frustrated how, like, in, in college, they would immediately review that for, like, a targeting penalty. And whether it's he would have been ejected or not, that's, like, that's up to the discretion of the referees. But how do we have such a good review system in college for these kind of hits? But in the NFL, all you get is a 15-yard penalty flag. I mean, it just amazes me how the NFL is not up to these kind of standards, especially with all the talk about CTE and all the research that they've been doing lately. I mean, I just, I just hate it when a, when a linebacker knocks out a quarterback, but then he's still able to stay in. And they, and if it was radio for someone else, Kiko Alonso would never be allowed to play in the NFL again. He'd get banned. He'd never be able to play. And it's, he could find a million dollars. I mean, if there's any high profile quarterback, like you said, there definitely would have been the suspension for it. So I was a little disappointed. He get, he didn't get suspended. I know he's going to get fined for it. And I was also surprised going off topic just for a second, that even like Nadamik and Sue choking out Ryan Mallett, like right on national television. This wasn't even like a one o'clock CBS game. This was in front of everyone watching. He just chokes out Ryan Mallett. I mean, it's just crazy. And I I thought I deserved um, a suspension, but I mean, that's just me. Before uh, Chris goes, I have to give a shout out to my buddy Nolan at Charm City Birdwatch, the sports blog that I, uh, that I own. I'm the administrator for TrumpCityBirdWatch.com. Uh, he tweeted out a, a picture. It was like, who did it better? And it was like a picture of Sue choking out Mallet. And then next to it was a picture of uh, from WWE, The Undertaker, doing a choke slam on Kane. Uh, so I thought I thought that was funny. It didn't get a lot of traction on Twitter, but it, wrestling fans like myself, I thought. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to try not to lose it right now because I'm living. I'm living. I uh, Jake, I, I respect you more than most people on earth, but that was a dirty hit. That was an absolutely dirty hit. That was one of the worst hits in football. And the problem with that hit is it's the entire point of the NFL player safety movement. This is what we're trying to get rid of. Senseless violence of the game. You're not taking out the hard hitting. You're not taking out the physicality of the game. You're taking out hits that have no place in the game. When a quarterback is sliding, he's a defenseless player. He's giving himself up, and that's the rule. I don't care if it was a late slide. I don't care if it was an ugly slide. It was a slide. A duck is a duck. A horse is a horse, and a slide is a slide. And I don't want to hear that, oh, well, I, I, you know, the game happens fast. You frame by frame, Kiko Alonso had time, changed the entire trajectory of his body to target Joe Flacco's head. He put his entire body through his neck, shoulder, head area, all the way to his cleats. Flacco needs stitches behind the ear. I mean, if the helmet doesn't pop off, Flacco's neck might be broken. This is a this could have ended his career if that happened. This is, I mean, we're lucky, not only that Flacco very well may be able to play against the Titans, but we're lucky that he can play at all for the rest of his career. This was an unbelievable hit. And Kiko Alonso seems seemed to do the same thing that Ndamukong Sue did. They're getting 
They're getting flopped on TV, on national TV. They're getting beaten badly. And he's like, okay, I'm going to take out the quarterback. So an opportunity. That's what it felt like to me. And if you want to say the game's fast, I don't disagree with you. There are a lot of targeting calls, especially in college football, where I go, ah, he's going to be ejected. He was trying to make a play. I think intent is important, and I can't look at that. I cannot look at that and say that there was no intent to harm Flacco. It literally looked like if the game's fast and he, he has to make a decision, you don't put your entire body through his head. I, I, I'm done. I, I, I can't do it. It's just ridiculous. I, I, I don't know what else to say. It's just horrible. I was just going to say, I mean, I, I do think the hit was dirty. Like I was saying earlier, I do think that it's the type of hit that if the NFL, like Joe alluded to, is being consistent, should warrant a fine and should warrant a suspension, like what, hap- what happened with that Vikings defender last week that hit uh, Mike Wallace. So I, I do agree that it is frustrating to see a lack of consistency. Uh, but at the same time, the thing that I kind of see, and I, I've, I've heard, um, I listen to a lot of podcasts. I, I listen to a lot of uh, podcasts by you know NFL experts that played the game recently, and they were just making the point of Flacco was trying to go for the first down when he slid. Maybe if he if he slid at the time he was trying to, or if he would have slid earlier, he wouldn't have been able to pick up the first down. He was definitely going for the first down, and that 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 was why they were saying he may have slid late. But the only the, the point I was trying to make is I don't think Flacco did a good enough job to protect himself in this instance. Like, I, I definitely feel bad for him. I feel bad for the hit that actually happened. But I think if he had slid a little bit earlier, Alonzo would have had more time to react. I'm not excusing it at all. I'm not, you know, excusing the the hit for what it was because it was, it was dirty. It was a dirty hit if you rack it up to the NFL. All I'm saying is there's fault by both players in this incident, and I, don't, I think it could have been prevented. That's fair. I mean, quick shout-out, though, to Ryan Jensen after the play for just destroying Alonzo. Yeah, that was yeah. hilarious. I mean, Hell no yeah. matter whether it's a dirty hit or not, I mean, for him to have his back, and, I mean, that's just the kind of play Jensen is. I mean, just to go up and literally just destroy Kiko Andre after that play. I mean, it was a chippy game all night, and you could tell when um, the Dolphins really started to get down that they were they were starting more stuff, and it was when, I forget who tried to poke out, poke Ryan uh, or Austin Howard's eye, awesome. and then um, Malik got choked out. I mean, it was I, I almost like watching the WWE match i mean at the end of the game i he'll get fine but i don't know it's just you could we can argue this to the grave about whether he could have gotten a suspension or not it's just the nfl and there's nothing that's consistent about it so this doesn't really surprise me one thing i do want to say though before chris goes is um if you look at alonzo after the play happened when harbaugh and everybody was screaming at him jansen came after him he didn't retaliate violently he kind of looked confused like um that's that's just me judging his initial reaction i just wanted to add that there he didn't what told me what what gave me the impression that he didn't intend to hurt Flacco in, as severely as he did was the way he reacted when the Ravens came at him. He did not he did not you know cause a fight. He let he let people come at him, but he looked kind of shocked that they were coming at him and yelling. Yeah, I just thought it was funny that um, Harbaugh was screaming at Alonzo, and then they asked him in the press conference like how he felt on the hit, and he's like, I don't really have an opinion on it. And you could like tell that he was just screaming at him. So I mean, hmm. it was just funny, but. Yeah, well, more could speak from Harbaugh, but uh, yeah, there's nothing you can do to tell me that a dirty hit that warrants a suspension. And I I agree. The main point that we've made is consistency, and it's really consistency all across the board. I don't know what constitutes pass interference anymore. I don't know what constitutes a catch anymore, and I don't know what constitutes getting a player ejected from the game or suspended or fined. Or it's just where's the line? 
and you know how do you judge it and to me it's by intention and I, I think actions speak louder than words and the actions spoke pretty loudly Ezekiel Elliott about consistency in the NFL well, moving on now, I uh, hope everyone listening to this edition of the Ebony Bird Podcast had a happy Halloween. I'm host Jake McDonald, contributor for Ebony Bird. You can follow me on Twitter at jmcdonald 95 Joined by our two slide experts, Chris Schessler at FootballMan58 and Joe Schiller at Joe Schiller of two R's on Twitter. We as a group are ebonybird.com, ebony underscore bird on Twitter. And, of course, you're listening to this through either iTunes or Blog Talk Radio. Moving on. Uh, this week, the Ravens heading to Tennessee to face the Titans. The Titans, you know, had their bye last week. The Ravens are going to have a nice 10-day rest period. Uh, Flacco has some time to get ready for this, recovering for his concussion, officially diagnosed that he had during the game on the Alonzo hit. Uh, Harbaugh's press conference yesterday said that Flacco has zero concussion symptoms, and he all signs point to him being able to play Sunday. If he can play, he will. Um, so it sounds like the Ravens are fairly certain that Flacco is going to be able to play. Uh so that will obviously be a, be a big boost for the Ravens. I think if, if Mallet plays, they're going to have to rely a lot on the run and expect to see a lot of Buck Allen and Alex Collins getting mixed in there. But if Flacco plays, maybe they'll open it up a little bit more. They will definitely try to be protecting him after that big hit. Um, Chris, we, you know, you revealed before we got started here that you're going to be in Nashville for this game. You'll be attending. So what are you expecting to see on Sunday, how the Ravens can keep this momentum going against the Titans and getting that, that uh, second W in a row? Well, there's the 2017 Baltimore Ravens. I have no idea what to expect. I have a good feeling. Um, I really do. I, I think you got a big win. You figured out some stuff. I think tempo with the offense. If we don't do tempo with the offense again, I'm going to lose it because that worked beautifully. Um, I, I, the offense, you know, playing conservative but not bottled up. I thought that was good. You know, lean on the running game, safe throws, but – you know, you're trying to move the ball. You're not trying to hand the ball off two times with punts. Um, that that was good. Um, I, I'm expecting a defensive showing, I'll tell you that much. Brandon Williams is back 100%. You stuffed Jay Ajayi. I know DeMarco Murray and Derrick Henry are really good, but that's all the Titans offense has going for them. Mar- Marcus Mariota is a guy. I'm a big fan of Mariota, but that passing offense and that offense in general is just not that good right now. And I I think the Ravens have a good chance of winning. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, I think they have a great chance to win. Uh, I think a lot of it depends on Marriott's health, too. I mean, coming off a of bye, I don't know. I don't really follow them as closely, so I don't know how he's doing, but I know he's dealt with some hamstring, injury, hamstring issues over the past couple of weeks. Um, so, like you said, Chris, I mean, the big thing is stopping the run. I mean, Murray and Henry pretty much just about split carries, it looks like. So um, that's going to be the two-headed monster to stop. And with how we've seen the Ravens improve over the past couple of weeks with the run defense and Brendan Williams back, hopefully that is a key point on their defense this week. And this is one of those games where if the Ravens lose, it could end up affecting them in the wild card spot down the at the end of the season because the Titans are kind of in the same spot. They're battling for the division. And depending, depending on how well the Jags and the Colts are playing, these, the Titans can be fighting for a wild card spot as well. So it's one of those games where you kind of have to win so you have the upper hand on the on a Dolphins or a Titans team at the end of the season. So it's going to be a defensive game. I just don't know what to expect from the Ravens offense. I hope Joe Flacco plays all signs of pointing to that he does. But if, if, um, Ryan Mallett's out there, I'd give the Ravens no chance whatsoever, no matter how well they're running the ball. But I think all really depends on two quarterbacks in this game, to be honest. How healthy Joe Flacco is coming this game and how healthy Marcus Mariota is. 
Well, just a scouting report on the Titans. Again, the game occurring 1 o'clock p.m. on Sunday. Uh, the Ravens on the road, of course, down in Nashville. The first time, I believe it's the first time they play there in six years. The, the last time, if I remember correctly, it was 2011. Uh, just some quick things on the Titans. They have wins over the Jaguars, Seahawks, Colts, and Browns, a 4-3 and team, with losses to the Raiders, Texans, and Dolphins. They have their bye week last week, but like we mentioned, the Ravens are going to have a 10-day rest period here. Uh, the Titan, the Tennessee is 2-1 at home and 2-2 two and two on, on the road, and they have a two-game winning streak right now over the Colts and the Browns uh, at home against the Colts and away in Cleveland before their bye last week. And as you guys alluded to, you know, the clumped-up AFC is going to give the Ravens some hope here. I'm uh, just going across the divisions right now. You know, Miami's 4-3, and three, and the AFC East Buffalo's playing well, you know, along with New England. Uh, the Ravens are 4-4 four and four with the Bengals at 3-4. and four. Uh, the Titans and the Jags on the AFC South are both 4-3, and three, with the Texans surprisingly 3-4 and four, despite how well Deshaun Watson's playing. And then out in the AFC West, you know, the, the Chiefs and the, the Raiders are at the top of the division, but Denver's also 3-4. and four, So a lot of those teams are going to be in the wild card hunt. And then the Ravens, they're scheduled the rest of the way. You know, after this game at Tennessee, we both, uh, you guys both voted to do that. That could be a win. I could think it could be a win for the Ravens as well. After that, the bye week, you know, the Ravens have their game this week with a bye after that. They're going to play an Aaron Rodgers-less Packers team. A Deshaun Watson-led uh, Texans team on Monday night, that could be a tough game. Playing the Lions at home who don't play well on the road. Uh, playing at Pittsburgh and at Cleveland, two places they've had success in recent seasons. Home against the Colts and the Bengals who they dominated the Bengals in the first week of the season. And the Colts are struggling without Andrew Luck who probably won't play this season at all. Um, so really, you know, the, the combination of the AFC being really tight and the Ravens' slate of opponents left... Despite the struggles of the Ravens, you know, the entire NFL is going through a mediocrity period right now. Uh, Joe and then she over to Chris. The Ravens are very still well in this, despite the um, the issues they've had on, on the entire team so far this season. It's pretty crazy to think about. I mean, I'm looking at the playoff picture right now, and the Dolphins would be the set, would be the um, seventh seed behind the Jaguars in the wild card spot, and the Ravens are right behind them. And the Ravens have the upper hand on the Dolphins if it weren't for the um, the loss, even though the Dolphins had their bye the first week of the season. But like you said, the Ravens have a very manageable schedule to end the season. They didn't come in with a very hard schedule to begin with. And a couple of those games, like the Bears games, could come back to haunt them if they come down to the end of the season, 8-8 eight and eight or a 9-7 and seven and one game out of the wild card like we saw last year. So, I mean, somehow they're still in it. They keep dragging us in. I don't have confidence even if they do make the playoffs, so that's just a different story for how well some of the other teams are playing, including the Steelers and the Patriots. But this team's still in it, and you can't knock them for it. I mean, I thought they should – I thought they were going to maybe look for some trades to the trade deadline. They didn't. They don't really have much to offer for any other teams. But and this team's still in it. I mean, you can't really say much about it, but somehow I feel like they're going to end up finding their way into a wild-card spot. Yeah, I agree with Joe. I think the Ravens are a wild-card team with this schedule. Of course, you never know what team's going to show up. I don't have that much confidence in the Ravens, as Joe kind of alluded to, in the playoffs. And I don't even think the playoffs are something we can expect. I think there's something we should hope for because there's a chance. And I also want to say that the AFC North, it, it looks like a foregone conclusion now, but Pittsburgh has a slip or two or an injury. And you throw out the records when the Ravens and Steelers play. You know, we can win in Heinz Field. That the AFC North isn't um, completely locked up for the Steelers. I mean, 95% chance Steelers win. But, you know, you got to hold out some hope. Ravens go on a roll against some teams they should beat, beat a couple of the – win a couple of the toss-up games, maybe that win the Steelers game. And anything's possible. 
just get in the playoffs. That's all I'm asking for. I don't care how you do it. Um, but make the season worth something. Make it not a waste of time, a waste of our energy. Um, when you write about a team constantly, you know, it really stinks when they stink because, I mean, it's just this endless circle of what do you want me to say? They stink. And when they win, there's there's always something more to talk about. It's not just venting. Uh, and we're all fans, so we want to see it do well. I I see the Ravens as a playoff team. That's the the standard we should set. Whether they do it or not, though, I don't know. I've said it numerous times. I don't know what to expect from this team. I didn't expect 40 to nothing. I didn't expect to lose to the Bears. I didn't expect to lose to the Jaguars that badly. Um, uh, what do you expect from this team? And certainly it will be interesting this week. Again, the uh, Ravens playing the Titans before their bye week this Sunday at 1 o'clock. So I'm going to go uh, Ravens 23, Titans 20 if Joe Flacco plays. I think if Ryan Mallett plays, it could be a different story. I don't have a score, but I think if Mallett plays, the Titans might sneak out a victory. Are you guys on the same page as me? Yeah, I'll take a Ravens win. I'll go Ravens 21, Titans 15. I'm going to say the Ravens force turnovers and win an otherwise close game. I'm going to say, let's go in homage to the 2000 playoff win. Let's go Ravens 24-10. Oh, well, that will do it for this episode of the Ebony Bird Podcast. Again, uh, Ravens playing 1 o'clock on Sunday against the Tennessee Titans, who are 4-3, and three, the Ravens entering at 4-4. Four and four. They've played one more game than Tennessee has because they had their bye week last week, but uh, they are on a two-game winning streak, most recently over the Browns. Colts. Uh, so again, Jay McDonald 95 on Twitter, FootballMan58 for Chris Schistler, and Joe Schiller with two R's on Twitter. Uh, and then again, Ebony underscore Bird, EbonyBird.com. You're listening to this again through either iTunes or Blog Talk Radio. Make sure you check out all of our articles online and download the app from the App Store of all of our stories that come out to you every day, courtesy of Emily Bird and Fan Sighted. Again, I'm Jake McDonald for Joe and Chris. Enjoy the game, and we'll hopefully be talking to you next week after another Ravens win. <laughs>